Welcome to The Reload, where we help unconventional leaders craft the life they truly want by questioning the assumptions they have about how life works. My name is Sean, and I'll be your host on this journey. As a performance coach and special operations combat veteran, I help high-performing executives kick ass in their careers while connecting with deeply powerful insights that fuel their lives. All right. Once more, unto the breach, dear friends. Okay, what are we looking at today? Uh, I think today it might be useful for us to explore where it is that the mechanics of inner development or consciousness development, awareness development can start to break down. And it reminds me of a conversation that I had with one of my clients. This was, I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago. And this person was was really diving in. You know, they were doing their homework, which is more than I can say for some of my clients. <clears throat> but, you know, they were really diligent about the process. They were doing extra reading, I guess, on inner development topics, you know, whether it was Buddhism or whether it was books on self-acceptance or uh, books that had more of a psychological tone around trauma or, I don't know, just basic productivity. So they were, they were really doing this kind of like this full court press. And at some point, there was a certain amount of fatigue. Now, I have a current uh, current client that's kind of facing similar circumstances, so if, uh, if you're listening, this is not about you. But there, this story or this situation is actually quite common. And especially for my kind of client, they are typically extremely busy. Now, quite frequently, they kind of create that, that busyness and they, they manifest that for themselves. And that's certainly something that we end up coaching about. But I guess the... the point of, of making that observation is that they're not sitting around like just twiddling their thumbs. And my style of coaching can be very demanding. <laughs> I, I mean, it's demanding in terms of the subject matter that we dive into. It's demanding in terms of the intensity of the conversations, because I am not one to shy away from the tough stuff. And it's also demanding in the sense that I make a lot of book recommendations and I assign homework. And, you know, at a certain point, I transition the homework over to the client in terms of the client deciding, okay, what is it that I believe I should be working on in order to further the objectives that I'm trying to achieve? But in some way or another, there, there are commitments being made and for the most part, commitments being honored. But all that takes time and effort. And again, my clients don't really have a lot of like slack in the chain. And so at one point, this particular individual from a couple of years ago made an observation that they were sick and tired of reading about self-development. That they, and this is where things went a little bit uh, off track, at least from my perspective, that they already knew. They already knew 
all that they needed to know. And, you know, I guess from my perspective, I felt, well, probably not. And the chances that any of us are ever going to know everything that we need to know in order to have the most amazing life or the most fulfilled life or empowered life or whatever kind of life we're looking for, which, oh, by the way, that seems to change for people as they progress through the chapters of their life. But the chances that we actually know all that stuff is relatively slim. Now, we might be convincing ourselves that we know everything that we need to know because we have sort of, uh, I don't know, overarching truisms that we like to cling to, like love is the only truth or something like that. And I don't disagree with that statement, but I find that it is pretty tough for mere mortals to stay connected to that 24-7. I don't think I'd have a job if that was kind of the default with which humanity ran its course of existence. And, you know, I do this stuff professionally, and I get reminders daily about the path or the journey. And I also find myself regressing or descending down into more angsty, panicky, well, I don't know if I've been panicky anytime lately, but I have known panic in my life. But just descending down from these heights of self-acceptance and awareness and consciousness and love. And I'm using this kind of this off tone because I'm trying to put a little bit of sarcastic spin on it. And it's not that I disagree with those things. Actually, I mean, that largely is what I do believe in for myself and for people I care about. But I also have to acknowledge that in a number of ways, we, we don't stay connected. Either it's because of our whirlwind of busyness that we have created and that we sort of wrap around ourselves as a shield or sometimes as a, a sign of validating our importance, validating our identity. You know, I'm the busy one. I'm the important one because I'm so busy. Can't you see how important I am? Look at how busy I am. <laughs> right? These kinds of stories that we tell ourselves, or even if we don't tell ourselves consciously, that we engage in. But there is a, a point in this, and in, in what my client was saying, of like, that they felt that they were exhausted from all of the, the reading about consciousness and awareness and developing the self. And I agree wholeheartedly. I think that there is definitely a balancing act, especially when you are in an active coaching relationship, especially if it's one that is really getting into the deep water, right? There are coaches out there that don't. In fact, there are a lot of coaches out there that have a more superficial approach and that spend most of their time focusing on how clients can be happy and how this can feel good. And again, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not trying to like <laughs> make it sound like working with me is just complete torture. But from what I have seen and from what clients who have had other coaches have told me about that experience is that 
when all it is is about feel good, then we're not making that deep level of progress that ultimately allows people to process through the dark things that they have in their past or the difficult things they have in their past so that they can truly live their life in a different way. And fundamentally, that is a a big chunk of my aspiration for any of my engagements. That by the time the year is over, that the client is able to really truly run themselves, run their lives in a different way. And that they're not sparked up by the same stressors that used to just really throw them off. And in order to get to that point, we usually have to confront some very deep-rooted, deep-seated issues and narratives. And how do we get there but for these rather difficult sessions? But in returning to this notion of sort of living it versus reading about it, there's real power there. There's real power in... First and foremost, reading about it in order to gain some sort of conceptual framework or foundation. But from there, to get into action and to really start to turn it into a working concept. You know, it's, it's getting out of the theoretical. It's getting out of the academic. And what's interesting to me is how many times people tell me that they understand something. And then they, I challenge them to go forth and put it into practice. Now, what could that be? I guess one example might be demonstrating greater patience for a parent. Whoa, now I know, like none of you out there ever get impatient with your parents. But I think it was Ram Das who said, if you think you're so enlightened, go spend a week with your parents. And there's a reason for that, because it tends to drag out all these sort of parent-child dynamics and reminds us of times when we were less powerful and And in some ways, our parents are still attempting to create, or not create, but maintain a power dynamic where they are in charge and that you're still their little one. (laughs) And if you're surrounded by that, well, damn, that can be very, very aggravating. So if, for instance, the thing that you've been reading about is how to demonstrate more patience with a parent or maybe it's a spouse, and you can get it. I mean, you understand the concept. You're not dumb. But to then go and actually put it into practice and to actually live it becomes so much more difficult because of, uh, I don't know, we're tired. We have work deadlines. We have screaming kids. We have, um, what else? I'm using um a lot. Why is that? I don't know. (laughs) We, because I'm running out of things to say. Maybe that's why. But Ultimately, we're getting to this place where putting something into practice is much more difficult than simply cognitively understanding the conceptual framework. But to start from that conceptual framework is really, really critical because it gives us that foundation. And it also, I think, provides us a a point of contrast. You know, we we thought it would work, whatever whatever the concept is, peace, love, acceptance, et cetera, et cetera. We thought it would work a certain way. And in our head, in our mind, it made sense. Okay, 
uh, when my parent or my spouse does these behaviors that I have typically found triggering, and I assume that you would have you know, written that out ahead of time, then I will engage a mantra that says, peace, love, acceptance. Peace, love, acceptance. Peace, love, acceptance. The person does the triggering thing, and then I will say inside my own head, peace, love, acceptance, peace, love, acceptance, or I will count to 10, or I will focus on 10 really deep belly breaths, or whatever the, the, the countermeasure is to the impatience that you would normally have felt. And then you go into the live situation, and the person does the triggering thing, and then you engage the countermeasure, and it doesn't work. And you're not patient. In fact, you are extremely impatient. And then maybe you say something passive-aggressive. And then maybe the other person says something passive-aggressive, and then you graduate from passive-aggressive to aggressive-aggressive. And then that invitation is accepted by the other party, and they say something aggressive-aggressive, and then you're both saying something aggressive-aggressive, and then we graduate from saying aggressive-aggressive to screaming aggressive-aggressive. Or maybe that's not your trick. Maybe your trick is to go silent, to freeze them out. The old cold shoulder. But whatever it is, you're sure as shit not patient. So I agree that there is this point where simply sitting on the sidelines and reading about it starts to break down. And you have to get your ass in the arena and start getting dirty, start mixing it up. One of the things that I found most helpful in really living that principle is combat sports whether it's Muay Thai or Jiu-Jitsu or karate or wrestling or boxing or, you know, some, something where you have an opponent and you learn in a classroom setting the technique. So you have technique classes and then you have sparring classes. And in the technique classes, you learn, okay, yeah, my body's supposed to do X, Y, and Z in order to make this this move happen. And if the opponent does A, B, or C, then I will do dot, 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 you know, whatever. But then you get into sparring classes or the portion of the class that is dedicated to sparring and nothing works. <laughs> and you start to think this is total bullshit. Like this stuff doesn't work. And it's like, no, it does work. You're just doing it wrong. Which is generally not very nice to hear. And when I'm a client with one of my coaches, and in this case, I'm talking about sort of mental, emotional coaches, not combat sports coaches, but it applies there as well. And, and I want to tell them, Oh, the, the, the technique isn't working or the process, the mental model isn't working. Most of the time, it's because I'm not doing it right. And the same thing applies to you. 
And in fact, I would say the big chunk of why it doesn't work is because people aren't doing it, period. You know, so frequently I will ask, you know, the mental models that I teach, I will ask a client, well, did you yank out the old steer model or the Byron Katie judge your neighbor model or the immunity to change model? No. <laughs> okay. Well, what were you expecting? But there's this real power in living through falling down because that's truly when things become real and we can actually work with live material. And when we do an after action review, you don't have to call it an after action review, but that's, a, I guess, a term from the military that I remember. But when you review what happened, when it's real, you have a lived experience. It wasn't just conceptual. There was also an emotion that was connected to it. And there was a gut feeling that was also kind of layered in there. And you can, in that review, really start to look at, okay, what happened? This mental model or tool that I thought would be so snazzy and so on point seemed to go nowhere. And it's, it's in having those live, real details that we can work through a full comprehensive experience, a holistic experience. And so that living it aspect versus just simply reading about it is critical. And yet, we still need reminders in order to stay connected. And so what I guess I am advocating for here I don't think I advocate all that frequently. Well, maybe I do. Who knows? <laughs> I guess I guess maybe I do advocate quite frequently. But what I advocate for is that individuals continue to read. Not just because of like educational value, but because it does serve a really tangible reminder. And it doesn't necessarily have to be reading. I mean, you can listen to an audiobook or you can listen to podcasts or you can listen to lectures, you can watch a movie that has a particular self-development theme to it, if you will, you know, and not necessarily in a sort of that it's like some super coachy kind of film, but that the film itself dives into human dynamics and that the film or the, whatever the, the media is, that it really confronts aspects of the human condition. And I understand you're a busy executive or you're a busy founder or you're all those things plus being a parent or you're all those things plus being an elder caretaker or you're all those things plus, 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 plus. Yeah, yeah I get it. Your life is stacked full. And that's where, you know, potentially finding ways to incorporate media in a more efficient manner you know for instance listening to podcasts maybe this one if you haven't subscribed oh shame on you kidding but listening to podcasts during your commute or if you don't have a commute 
maybe you can set out 10 minutes a day to do a little bit of reading. You know, not that you're going to crush through a whole book in 10 minutes, but, you know, where is it that you can latch on to various sources, various types of sources of media that present questions? And also, I would argue, inspiration. You know, there are a lot of times when it does feel like life is really kicking us in the face. And it is important, I believe, to be able to have little reminders that it'll be okay. To have reminders that life is not as bad as it feels. You know, and it can, it can definitely feel like life sucks. And for me, I have been uh, fortunate or unfortunate or both, I guess, to have been to places in the world that were messed up. And to be able to experience those parts of the world from still a very sheltered position where I was removed from the poverty. You know, I was observing it. I wasn't actually living it myself. But one of the wonderful things about that experience is that it has provided tremendous perspective in the old memory banks that I can always access. But even though we have memories and we remember that, oh, there was a time when things were way worse, we often forget that we have those memories because they're filed away somewhere. And so having conscious reminders, I mean, heck, even if it's just a calendar reminder that is set up a few times a year. And that, that calendar reminder, and I would also not just have a reminder, but I, I would have some dedicated time to it, you know, even if it's only like five minutes, to really do an explicit and overt walk down memory lane. You know, so many of my clients are tremendously accomplished individuals, and they have some really fucked up shit in their background. I mean, we're, we're talking like terrible, terrible things. Violence, sexual abuse, mental, emotional abuse. I mean, all kinds of terrible stuff has happened to them. And they have it as part of their identity. Yeah, I've been through tough stuff. That's kind of how they often sort of relate to it. But I get the sense that they don't actively do this comparison or this reminding of themselves that, oh, no, no, there, <laughs> there was a time where it was really, truly awful. And for me, I don't know, maybe I'm, a, I guess I'm a slow learner or super stubborn or I don't know, but I, I find myself having to <laughs> sort of incorporate something like that on a daily basis in my journaling. And that's part of what journaling does for me is to be able to create conscious reminders. You know, as a, another maybe a related note uh, on reminders is I, I have a, a daily prompt for writing something about my partner. And kind of the background rule for that is that it's something complimentary or it is at least something 
where I express concern. So if my partner is sick or something like that, then I can wish them well. But predominantly, it's it's good things. It's not an opportunity for me to talk shit about my partner because when I'm grumpy, then I, I do enough of that as is inside my own head. And so these reminders are often tools to keep us on track of what what it is that we actually want to experience. What is it that we want to subscribe to in our life, in our experience of this life? How do we show up? How are we going to choose to show up? And that's a, a critical difference. A lot of times people think, oh, well, you know, I'll show up at my best when all those stars align. Oh, okay. Well, you'll be waiting a long time. So as the title of the episode suggests, we need reminders in order to stay connected. And hopefully, this show serves as a reminder for you. And not just a reminder to face difficult things and to really kind of challenge the inner narratives and inner demons that we have, but also to take a step back, to give yourself a little bit of grace and slack in your otherwise overly busy life. And a reminder, perhaps, to be connected to those you care about and to remind them of what they mean to you and the influence that they have on you and the way that you experience this world. All right, that does it for it today. Uh, more Oz, apparently. Maybe I'm not getting enough sleep. <laughs> if you are enjoying the show, I would absolutely love it if you would do all the things that modern social media algorithms love. <laughs> uh, can't keep a straight face. Share, like, subscribe, follow, etc., etc. It would be super special if you left a review of the show. Doesn't have to actually be positive. If you think that there is something constructive that I can do differently, then I'm happy to, at the very least, take a look at it and see how that might fit. Or don't. Totally up to you. Till next time, take care of each other.